Investing your wealth is a journey that demands skill, in-depth knowledge, experience and conviction from the investment manager. From you, the investor, it demands time, patience and trust in your investment manager's ability. While investing is certainly rewarding, it can be complex. You will have questions along the way and we're here to help you find the answers. In this series, our Old Mutual Wealth Investment Managers answer some hard questions and demonstrate how they do the hard thinking and work so that you don't have to. Their answers are based on an in-depth understanding of the local and global economy, financial markets and the driving forces that will shape tomorrow. Roland Graber is Head of Tailored Fund Portfolios at Old Mutual Wealth overseeing a DFM, or Discretionary Fund Manager, uh, creating uh, and managing multi-management investment strategies for the retail market. He works closely with financial advisors directly. And Roland studied actuarial science and then completed the CFA Charter. He's also a certified financial professional. That is a preface to get the podcast underway today. Roland, bye, welcome. Good to have you with us on the podcast today. Thanks for uh, teeing us up for some, some education here. Thank you very much and looking forward to it. Okay, let's talk about this rather complex topic. And as we chatted off microphone beforehand, uh, I might jump in and ask you to contextualize what you're talking about, uh, should I be unsure. So I'm going to start with that in mind and very high level speak about Regulation 28, pension funds, etc. and Regulation 28. We're talking about diversification and getting the most from your offshore allocation, certainly when it comes to uh, uh, those pension funds, etc. But I want to start with Regulation 28. It's changed recently, but what is it and what has changed? Ian, so Regulation 28 is a set of regulatory guidelines that limit and guide pension fund investment, and it sets limits to your exposure, your allowed exposure to equities, bonds, cash, and importantly, it limits the amount of money that can be invested outside of South Africa. Now, in terms of what has changed, um, up to February this year, the typical pension fund investment strategy could only go up to 30% offshore. And in, in February this year, this uh, limit has been increased to 45%, which is quite a substantial difference from mm. before. Mm. And practically, this just means that pension fund money, and this includes your pension provident fund savings, retirement annuities, these investments can now take on a lot more exposure into offshore markets. Right. Okay. These are obviously good changes if you're looking to uh, to get more money offshore and exposed to alternative asset classes outside of the country. Am I correct? Absolutely. We, we do view the change as a positive one because mm. the only change is that you have more options available. Okay, and then just to just to backtrack one step, who is exactly affected by this? Is this just pension funds? Yes, but I think we need to be clear that it is not just people who save for retirement through an employer. Okay. So that is typically active participants in a pension or provident fund where contributions is paid from the salary. It's also important for people who make their own retirement savings arrangements through a financial advisor. Right. And that would typically take the form of contribution towards a retirement annuity. So if you enjoy any kind of tax benefit mm. because you're saving towards your retirement, 
this legislation affects you. And maybe also to just clarify, this doesn't affect pensioners who are already drawing money if it's from a living annuity. Living annuities fall outside of Regulation 28. So if you've got living annuity uh, investment, there is no restriction on your offshore exposure. Okay, uh, the, then the, that follows on naturally onto the next question for me, which is uh, that allocation. Let's break it down and, and kind of unpack that just briefly. I'm sure it's super uh, involved, but how does offshore allocation kind of impact your investment strategy if you are in this position? Okay, so this is where things get really interesting. Yeah. South Africa, and if we think of investment opportunities and stock markets, for example, South Africa represents a tiny slice of the global opportunity set, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at at GDP economic production, South Africa is under 1% of the global market. If you look at the possible shares that you can buy in companies, we represent less than 1% of the global market cap. And if you look at the JSE itself, we basically have around 100 to 150 investable companies. So the moment we're allowed to diversify our investments outside of South Africa, we're basically stepping into a huge set of different companies and different risks. If we look at bonds, for example, government bonds, we can access very low-risk government bonds in places like Europe and the US, Mm. or we can access very high-risk government bonds, for example, in a country like Brazil or Turkey. So suddenly, we're not restricted to one country. We can look at all countries. And in terms of asset classes, we can broaden our view. You mentioned alternative assets. There are Mm. obviously things like private equity, hedge funds, Timber, a lot of a lot of investment opportunities that might not even exist in South Africa. So you step out of the small pond into a big ocean and you're suddenly faced with, I think, more opportunity, but also more difficult choices. Yeah. And then importantly, you introduce a new risk, which is currency risk. So now you're investing your money outside in dollar assets and you bring it back in terms of performance in rand terms. And that's where I think things can get very interesting because yeah, you're now sure. also taking a view on the currency. So with that in mind, I mean, it sounds it, it does sound complicated. And I, and I think it probably starts to get tricky when you when you bring currency into the equation and you also widen the, the scope so so that you've got all these new investment opportunities, which you, you don't necessarily have if you're just in investing locally. I'd like to talk about about an optimal portfolio. That's that's a point on one of my questions here that I would I would very much like to unpack as well because obviously you're looking for the the best return but you've got to kind of figure the balance out I guess uh, let's talk about the optimal portfolio how do you how do you see that Ian so yes that's, this is a very interesting topic um, because as investment professionals we have to ask ourselves how do we do the best for clients and also how do we improve the performance that we that we give clients and these can be you know any kind of investor anybody saving towards retirement and in asset management there is one over overarching guideline uh, with respect to optimal portfolios and that is investors prefer higher returns 
over lower returns. And I think mm. that makes intuitive sense, right? You'd rather earn an interest rate of 7% on your bank account than 6%. But surely then there's risk as well. Yes. And that is the tricky part is investors really prefer to earn that return at the lowest possible risk. Gotcha, gotcha. And defining investment risk is not so easy because we often talk about risk in terms of volatility and volatility just means how much it goes up and down. Mm. In the end, I think for investors, investors want to avoid the pain of negative returns. So in a way, we want to earn a really compelling return for a client, but we don't want to expose the, the, the client to, to, to the pain of, of losses. Mm. Now, mm. to come back to your question about what is an optimal portfolio, mm-hmm. what we're trying to work out, um, and this is quite a statistical process, but we try to figure out what type of mix of assets would give us the best return at the lowest possible risk. Sure. And we try to stress test that because it doesn't help to just look at history because history doesn't repeat itself. So we have to do some statistic modeling and mm. look at um, you know things like correlation and independence. But bottom line, an optimal portfolio is one that you're expecting to receive a better return for the level of risk that you take. Sure. And that, uh, Roland, is why you are the actuary and I am listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so, so I should say, um, even with my actuarial degree, yes. I do not call myself an actuary for that. I okay. would have had to pass even more exams. My, um, my apologies. My apologies in that case. No, that's but fine. That's fine. You, but it, you know. Yeah, certainly you you understand more than I do, which is why I'm keeping quiet. Let's talk about currency. You you, you mentioned earlier on that you know the exposure to the dollar. You get your money offshore and you're getting returns in rands. I'd like to to, to talk about the, the currency risk here, unhedged and hedged investing. Uh, do you want to yes. talk us through that? Yes, and I'm going to try and dispel uh, myths and 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 also try to to break it down in a way that's that's very straightforward to understand. I'd love so that. So let's take the example of of cash investments in the United States. So okay. I think most of us appreciate that interest rates in the US are pretty low right now. Let's call it 2% is the best interest that you can earn um, in a US bank account. Okay. Now, as a South African, you can invest your money in US cash. You can put it into a fund that invests in U.S. cash. And, um, in, you know, if it's a South African unit trust, you would put your rands down. They will buy, uh, they will invest it in the U.S. cash and you will see reporting back in rands. Now, we already know the dollar return on that investment over the next year is likely to be around 2%. Mm-hmm. But because you've put in rands, you bought dollars at a certain price. Let's say you paid 16 rand for the dollar. And now a year later, that the currency might have changed and it might, let's say now it's 18 rand for a dollar. That means your one dollar that you bought is now worth 18 rand instead of 16 rand. So suddenly you made a return on your investment that's got nothing to do with the interest. It's purely a currency return. Got you. So the currency is very important and let's establish a very straightforward rule of thumb. 
If you invest offshore as a South African, you probably want the currency to weaken because that means you're making a currency gain, like in my example. Mm. And so you earn the return on your dollar asset, plus you earn a performance for a deteriorating rand. So, so perversely, you're actually happy if the value of the rand falls because that means your dollar asset has become more valuable in currency that matters to you. So, you remember I mentioned that it's not just about return, it's also about risk? Yes. In this case, what risk means is what if the rand strengthens to 14 rand a dollar? Now mm. my 16 rand that I paid mm. earned 2% interest, but that dollar is now worth only 14 rand and I suddenly made a loss. And that risk tends to be, so the risk on the currency tends to be bigger than the risk on your investment. So whether you buy equities or bonds or cash, this currency is going to have a very big impact on the value of your investments. And that's why I say currency risk is really important. Now, mm. you've introduced the concept of hedged and, and unhedged. Yes. In very simple terms, if you decide to hedge your currency risk, you will earn that 2% return on the dollars you invested and you will earn either a premium or lose some money hedging the currency but roughly speaking you'll get close to your two percent if you hedge the currency if you decide not to hedge the currency and you're just investing straight into a dollar fund that translates back to rand the currency effect will be will be the driver of your returns very interesting. Very interesting. So, so essentially, you're protecting yourself one way and you're exposing yourself the other. Absolutely. And yeah. maybe just to add one more thing, Ian, because mm. practically, who makes these decisions for the average listener? So, if you're in a pension fund through work, there will be an investment committee. They will appoint asset managers. These asset managers will, you know, might make these decisions themselves. They might be split up. But I think the audience that's important to me is people that work with financial advisors and get advice on these matters will probably make the decision in a conversation with a financial advisor who will probably discuss, let's take more money offshore for you. Let's keep it the same. Let's reduce it. And in that scenario, the money is invested usually by buying unit trusts. And in South Africa, unit trusts tend to be Rand denominated investments. And so for by far the, the majority of investors, if you decide to invest more offshore with your financial advisor, it will include taking more risk on the, on the local currency. Okay. That's a very nice lead in and a segue to my second last question about the conclusions then uh, that we can draw about all of this information. Cause I, I mean, I can hear and I can, I can formulate 10 more questions about just this topic of unhedged and hedged. It's such a deep topic that we can go into. We just don't unfortunately have the time. Let's put it all together now. The conclusions that we can draw. First of all, the offshore allocation that, that you've been talking about is driven by investor constraints and preference. Am I correct? Absolutely. So the right offshore exposure does depend on how much risk you want to take. Yeah. Um, yeah. Typically, a conservative investor is not going to invest massively offshore, where a more adventurous investor might push more towards mm. the maximum. So then, Roland, uh, more offshore is not necessarily better? No. You need, to, you need to think about the right mix for you because 
as you increase your offshore exposure, more and more you're actually taking predominantly just a view on the currency. And, yep. you know, we've all seen the RAND can weaken massively, but um, also over a period of years, the RAND can strengthen. So you, you, you are also inviting quite a bit of risk into your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is exactly what I was going to ask you. you. The currency which you've explained that risk is always there if you if you're exposing it to, no matter what currency it is, not just US dollars. Absolutely, and the quantum can be phenomenal. You know, you can make a twenty mm. or a thirty percent gain or loss just on the currency in twelve months easily. Roland, you spoke about hedged versus unhedged investing offshore. When it comes to unit trusts, which you alluded to earlier on as somebody who might uh, speak to their financial advisor and then they would go and make that decision as to what they wanted to do. Interesting that I see here that in the unit trust world, hedged offshore strategies aren't really that common yet. No. So we have very limited vehicles available right now, you know, for investors preferring not to take the currency risk. And what's interesting, our modeling shows that if you want to build an optimal portfolio, you definitely have to consider this as part of your mix. So I anticipate that local asset managers will more and more start to offer not just an unedged global equity or global portfolio option, but also start bringing in currency hedging and fully hedged solutions. So they're going to be expanding the, the solution set in our industry, in my mind. That's a useful thing to know. So, um, I mean, are we talking a year? Are we talking 10 years? What what, time, what kind of time frame are we looking at here? See, Ian, I think that's the beautiful part of competition is there's always a first mover who wants to take the first mover right. advantage. Right. So I don't think it's going to take long. Currency aging okay. isn't complicated. It really is more or less a phone call to a bank um, to quote on your system. Um, and it can also be done over the counter. So let's just say it's not the most complicated thing in the world. And I think it gotcha. will, it won't take long for products to catch up to this. Roland, let's look to the future then. Certainly in context of this conversation, um, it, it would seem now with, um, as we started right off at the top there with regulation 28, you said exposure up to 45%. Is that correct? That's correct, Ian. Right. So with 45% being able to be invested offshore, uh, there's a huge divergence in, in, in that, that balanced fund performance, right? That will happen, Ian, because right now, most funds sit at around 27, 28, 29 percent, because 30 is pretty much optimal. But if you sit okay. at 30, you're constantly in breach of the regulation. Right. Going forward, I think mm. some funds will stay at 30, some will move to 40, some will move immediately to 45. And this is going to have quite diverse outcomes. So I expect balanced funds, and these are, you know, the, the most commonly used and best supported unit trust in South Africa. I think their performance is going to differ greatly from this point on. Somebody's going to get it absolutely right and somebody's going to get it quite wrong. Sure. That's a <laughs> that's an interesting one because I mean now you, you you essentially you can take all of the factors and put them on the table but you really can't tell what's going to happen for going forward, right? Absolutely. I yeah. think none yeah. of us know the future perfectly, yeah. right? Yeah. So they, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, like, that is a very interesting conversation. That just back to the the beginning of uh, the genesis of how we started this podcast. Regulation twenty eight changed from February this year, and that means you can diversify more of your portfolio offshore and all of the ins and outs of it. Super interesting. What a what a nice chat, Roland Grab. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. We really appreciate your time, and thanks for explaining that so well. It was uh, very clear at the end of it. Thank you so much, and really enjoyed chatting to you today. Old Mutual Wealth is a world-class investment destination, offering you a wide range of investment strategies and specialist wealth management solutions. Whether your goal is to grow your wealth, generate income, or preserve capital, we select the best and most suitable investments based on your investment strategy and our extensive research and collective insights. It's vital to work with reputable specialists who can effectively structure an investment portfolio that is tailored to your unique needs and objectives. Email us at hardquestions at omwealth.co.za so that we can help you take your wealth further.